It's the Winning Ticket Podcast, where having fun is minus 1,000. With your hosts, Dean Contrino, Joe Hoffman, Zach Nasciolo, and Johnny Della Luna. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Winning Ticket Podcast, where having fun is minus 1,000. We are your hosts, John, Joe, Dean, and Zach, here to preview the conference championship games. Time sure does fly. And we're going to recap the divisional round, which I don't know if you guys subscribe to this, but was that not the greatest weekend of football that we've seen in our entire lives? Ever. I would say ever, yeah. What oh yeah, last, man. and what a far cry yeah. from the wild card round where every game was a blowout. Besides uh, the the 49ers game, this was awesome. There was a lot of uh, drama. There were some high scoring games, some low scoring games. It, it was uh, a, just a pretty good watch as a fan. I know that um, as a pod, we went one in three because we all kind of heaped on the same thing. So we're definitely going to address what happened last week. But yeah, yeah. it was a great time to uh, you know kind of watch and remember why we do this. You know, this is not only our favorite sport to bet on; it's our favorite sport in general. And I was reminded of that this weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny because after Saturday, I was on suicide watch uh, because the Titans <laughs> and the Packers lost uh, and pretty much every prop that I bet lost. And then <laughs> Sunday came and it was literally the exact opposite. It was if you tease bowl games pretty much in any direction, you were a winner. Uh, every prop bet in the Chiefs game and the Bills, like if you bet literally yeah. any over. You were a winner. I had a couple ridiculous parlays that hit. Uh, I know a popular one between me and my family. Uh, we all did a Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes rushing over parlay. Uh, and I think it hit nice. before halftime. Yeah. Yeah. I know Mahomes had that pretty like, cool. what, 35 yarder like mm-hmm. early. And I will say, I am absolutely heartbroken that the Bills lost. I, it took me a couple days to get over. Uh, I know Dean was Team Chiefs over here. I was. I I wanted it so bad for the city of Buffalo. I've I've said it before that I am like a, a I'm like a secondary Bills fan. The Bills and the Bears, for whatever reason, those two teams <laughs> I root for. Uh, but man, like I was, it, I was like, uh, I was upset. Like the yep. game ended, I'm like, I understand this is probably one of the best games I'll ever watch, but I'm sad. I'm just so sad for the city of Buffalo. They had no business losing that game. Uh, but I, I want to throw money. Is there, Zach? Yeah, Bills absolutely. and Bears. Yeah, They're the exact same team, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something interesting that I want to point out, though. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before off pod the the public teams and the public darlings that get um, money no, no matter what. I know that the Bills were getting a little bit popular, um, it, especially around people our age. I know that Barstool was. Uh, you know, kind of backing them a little bit. Josh Allen's very likable, dressed up like Phil Mickelson the one time on Halloween, like stuff like that. So he <laughs> definitely resonates with us. Uh, I was thinking maybe they, the Bills get a little bit of public money because of the betters, us and people our age. Um, you know, it kind of appeals to us. Josh Allen seems like he could be on this show and he would fit right in. And um, a little interesting sure. side angle I want to pull, pull up. The, dare I say the Chiefs are the heels of the AFC. Jackson Mahomes and, and Brittany, whatever her name is, um, oh. everybody hates them. Mahomes' fiance and brother, of course, uh, <laughs> they hate. Even in Kansas City, people are throwing shit at her and, and him. And it's uh, yeah, it's interesting that the, the public seems to hate the Chiefs. So maybe uh, we'll get a little bit of a discount on them moving forward if they move on. Yeah. That, but let, me ask you, let, let me ask you guys this. Do you guys subscribe to that at all where um, a team is just getting more and more popular in the mainstream? Do you think that that, that would affect their betting lines at all? I will, I will say this. I think if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year – they're officially entering Patriots territory. Yeah. Where they will have won, what, two Super Bowls in four years, upsetting everybody, like, you know what I mean? Like, like yep. tearing out the hearts of other fan bases and with literally what seems like an eternity left for that team's window, right? At least yeah. Patrick Mahomes, what, he's locked up for 10 years, so he's got realistically probably at least five more years of, like, consistent play because he's like you know not a traditional pocket passer so not gonna last as long as a Rodgers or Brady but Kelsey mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be getting you know any slower Hill definitely is not getting slower they rebuilt the offensive line in a year uh Andy Reid doesn't seem to be going anywhere like and another thing that's funny about the Chiefs is they are literally 
shaming our fathers. And what do I mean by that? And I think I've literally said this on the podcast three or four times is defense wins championships. That's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. The Chiefs are literally probably the first team in history that are proving that, you know what? Fuck your defense. We're just going to score 40 on you. Good luck. Hope you keep yeah. up. Yeah, I, I feel more comfortable with uh, stuff like that. So I will actually maybe maybe bring up a side angle when we get to breaking down these games coming up. I don't think that's a very sustainable way. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I, to answer your question too, Dean, I, I, I think too that, like Zach was saying, the Chiefs kind of are the new Patriots. I call it the ant test. When you're you're at a family Super Bowl party and the ant that doesn't watch football all season comes up to you and goes, you know, uh, it used to be like, oh man, this Tom Brady's good, isn't he? Now it's gonna be like, oh man, you see this guy Patrick Mahomes. When when you're like a household name, you've really made it in the NFL. And I think with uh, especially since Brady is now mulling his future, we need you know who's the next Brady, who's who's the next goat, and who's the next guy that's gonna capture the public mind. Um, I think Jerry Jones wants it to be Dak Prescott and his Cowboys, but uh, it's just not that. It's the Chiefs. The Chiefs are heroes or villains, depending on how you view them. Um, but you, you know, we're we're leaving. We're truly leaving an era. Uh, and and funny enough, this is the day that uh, Roethlisberger announced his retirement too. Where you know a, the the Chiefs Bills game is very indicative, I think, of the future of football. Where I agree with Zach with what he was saying. It's not always about defense anymore. This is about this the offense. We can put up points. We can r- scramble around. I mean, there's so much running in that one game. So um, that's good for us. That's good. I'm very curious what the uh, total lines are going to do. And uh, I definitely have some thoughts about the Chiefs' total line going forward when we break down the games. Um, if I could just put a, a little wrap on a couple of the other ones that we uh, discussed last week. Um, again, we went one and three, unfortunately, but that brings our total to four and four for the postseason. So plenty of opportunity to get us back on the plus side of things. In fact, mm-hmm. we can guarantee it. Um, let's talk about the one that uh, really snake snake bit snake bitten. I use that word a lot on the podcast for some reason. But <laughs> we all got kind of bamboozled by it, uh, except for Joe, who correctly uh, got a bet out yeah. of this. Was the Packers and the Niners? And from what you guys have seen, what what happened to the Packers? What happened? Let, let me take this one uh, first, mainly because, like, you guys know I'm a resident hater, although that was my uh, play of the week was on Packers minus five and a half. I think that this is just one of those things where uh, the better team lost. And it's one of those ones where when you get into the blustery cold and, um, you know, some of I don't want to blame the weather totally, uh, you know, with the wind and the cold and everything. But it was an atmosphere towards the end with, um, you know, the snow even coming down too. I think when it just comes down to it is a complete team is needed in order to win this late in January. And it's one of those things where I joked about it on the podcast saying, you know, everyone likes to attribute everything to Aaron Rodgers. John, I think that you even famously said, what if Rodgers scores four touchdowns in a row? (laughs) I pointed out that it's a team game. And if you look at the Packers full team, we have the block punt, a blocked field goal, and I believe a missed field goal earlier in the game as well. So it's one of those things where if you don't put away a team, even if you're the better team, then it could come back to bite you. And also you have to coach up all 53 players, not just the one, uh, albeit, you know, he might be great or he might be super annoying or he might be both. In Aaron Rodgers' case, uh, you have to, you know, have an entire team on board with what you're trying to do. So that being said, I would totally make the I would make it the same bet over and over again. Just one of those things where, you know, in these scenarios, uh, the Niners weren't the better team on, on what was that, Saturday. They just ended up winning. They had more points at the end of the game, and that's that. I would still make the bet again. It Sometimes the NFL could be random, and that's what happened. Yeah, I think the reason why I wanted the under most of all was because the Packers and the Niners play so slow, and I think that that, that also favors the Niners, which is why I split a unit on Niners' money line and, and Packers to cover the spread. So I think it's kind of a weird play, but you saw it play out exactly how Mm -hmm. it can when you split a unit like that. Taking the under, I think, was massive because, you know, the the Packers play so slow and they really shouldn't. I don't know why they do that. Why would you want to limit possessions with a team that you're a touchdown better than? I think that's the whole game right there. Um, And I think that's why I would would take the under again for sure. Um, And the, the game just played out the way it did. You know, it's not like Dean said, the better team literally lost. And sometimes that happens. So that's why we always take a look at, you know, each side of this game because you don't know where you can make up a, 
uh, plus money bet like the uh, Niners on the money line. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then jump in. So, so I rarely do I give out a same game, uh, not same game, a parlay for the weekend. And they're both number one seeds and they both lost. But yeah, it happened. <laughs> so when, when it comes to the Titans and Bengals game, was this more David beating Goliath? Or did we all read both of these teams incorrectly going into that game? Um, I think that really what it is, is I think that I was harping on this, you know, kind of theme. And I'm going to, in the offseason, I'm going to make, I'm going to make up a good term for it. But it's kind of like what we see with, um, you know, the Bills. Uh, we were just talking about them off pod where, you know, they go for it a lot and um, they don't kick, they don't take points that are there. I think the Titans are that, and that's what got them in the end. They didn't take the extra point early. Okay, I know it's a nitpick, and um, it's one of those things where you know, maybe I'm a little bit too old school now that I'm in my 30s, finally. Um, it could be one of those things where, you know, I just don't like leaving points on the board, especially when you know that it's going to yeah. be, you know, the points are so valuable. You work all season long to get to this point, to put yourself in a position to win, and you're going to willingly leave a point on the board. The Titans also went for it on fourth and one earlier in the game, or, or rather later in the game. Uh, Tannehill had a couple of bad a couple bad reads and then a, a bad uh, tip that got picked. I just think it was one of those things where it's very easy to look at it and say, you know, Tannehill ruined the game. But I really think that Mike Rabel, who we, everyone was touting as the coach of the year, which I still think he might win it. He's giving up free points left, right, and center. That's f- Don't you think the Titans would love to have four additional points right now? They would literally be playing this weekend. Yeah, the play calling, I think, was so poor. I think that's what happens when, you know, you have that subpar quarterback. Everyone at the end of the game when Tannehill threw that tip pick was saying how it wasn't really his fault, blah, blah, blah. And I guess technically it wasn't, but, like, look, no excuses, man. I don't care if it's your fault or not. You're not playing this week, like you said. Right. Yeah. You yeah. can blame and it on whoever thing, you want. Another thing, too, covered, is make the throw. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the fact is, Derek Henry was obviously not healthy. He did not look healthy. Uh, they should have ran Foreman a lot more because yeah. he did get touches. He looked explosive, and he he really performed for them the last half of the year. Um, to me, it just it's just crazy to me that you know it really exposed Tannehill, who I've kind of been a supporter of for the most part of being like an above average quarterback. But man. I know Dean, you said, oh, you can't blame it all on him. It's a lot to do with the coaching. He was downright bad. Yeah. He was. He played awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a couple questionable decisions uh, on the coaching there, but I don't know. Uh, I think this this game really – I think the Packers game surprised me more with the outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just funny how all year long, like, we shit on the Titans and they proved everybody wrong all mm-hmm. year long, and then it was like – the friggin' the playoffs come and they're exposed. Like it's finally caught up to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy because I mean, just thinking about it long term, like what are the answers for the Titans next year? Like how do you get back to where you were? I don't think you do. Uh, your defense balled out, all, played well above their means. Um, you still have Ryan Tannehill on a contract. It's like, what are you, you going to draft a rookie quarterback? I mean, you have too many players in their prime. Uh, to, to like start over, so I, I don't mm. know what the answer is for them. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I just want to say something really quick about Tannehill. Is yes, he he played particularly poor in this game, but I think this is something that I was talking to Joe off the pod about, where it's it's a it's relative. There's a relative baseline when it comes to any player or any team, and it's what were you expecting? I think that Tannehill, that is what Tannehill is pretty much. He is kind of like a you know pick up on third down and maybe run for a couple. And, you know, make the wide open throws. He's not the type of guy that will lead a, you to victory in a tight contested game in January. I think that's just, just the truth of it. And, you know, I was saying, too, when we watched it live that, you know, him, Cousins, you know, Goff, they're all kind of the same player. So I wasn't really – I, I feel like the Tannehill – maybe ability or lack thereof was kind of factored into my handicap too. I mean, of course I wasn't anticipating them to be minus two in the turnover department, but at the same time, I'm not surprised by what Tannehill did because that's kind of what he is. Yeah. I, um, and I think to, to Zach's point too, for next year, you, you're now in a division that uh, the Colts have a chip on their shoulder, right? After being embarrassed that last game to knock them out of the playoffs, mm-hmm. they're going to be hungry, wanting more. And maybe I've been watching some of that hard knock season right now. Um, <laughs> so I'm believing them. The Jaguars will have a new coach uh, and will have, 
ideally a better Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's probably going to make some somewhat of a leap in year two. Um, and then the Texans, for what it's worth. I mean, who knows what happens with Deshaun Watson or even Davis Mills? You know, they're probably going to be a little bit better, too. So um, the weird stat about the Titans that I'm sure you guys have seen was since 2000, they've had the number one seed three times and they've lost every single one. Uh, they've wow. been one each time. So it's just something, I guess, about the too, maybe too much responsibility there, too much pressure that they, yeah. uh, they continue to fold under. So um, last thing before we get into this week's games, and Dean, you just mentioned turnovers, almost cost the Rams uh, their their game against the Buccaneers. That was the last game of the weekend. Looking back on it, I'm stupid because I I was all over this and I didn't make a play on it. I even I said on the podcast the pass rush is going to get to Brady. It's going to be like uh, the Saints game where he struggled to put up points. And for just about two and a half, three quarters, it was looking like that until the turnovers got them back in the game. Now now there's a lot of speculation about Tom Brady's future, of course, and it it makes me think about what are these Buccaneers without him. And can they even get back to, to this kind of spot where they're playing in a divisional round? Um, and, and I want to ask you guys, too, certainly what you think of that. But also, what do you think about the Rams really being the Lakers of the NFL and just getting a bunch of stars? And it seems to be, at least today, it's it's working. It's working. Yeah, to me, it really is like the Von Miller coming on is more of a surprise to me than Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Homer had us on here. I've seen what Odell Beckham can do. And uh, honestly, the difference, I think it's very apparent the difference between uh, Matthew Stafford and Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. right? Like, sure. there, and there's no coincidence that Odell Beckham now, what, since he's joined the Rams for like his, what, seven or eight games he's played, he's had like six or seven touchdowns and averaging like right? Revitalized. catches, like t- completely. Turned around his career, but yeah, you're right. And it's like the Rams, this is like the second or third time I feel like they've gone all in uh, and it's paid off. Yeah. So kudos to them. Kudos to McVay. The only problem is, is he's literally facing his boogeyman because uh, he is currently 0-6 against Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is, yeah, I would, it's, I would agree with it's that. It's going to be interesting. Though, John. I think that's a pretty good observation there. It's interesting, though. Like, football normally isn't the sport where you just get stars and you win. But yeah. I don't know, if you have six of them, maybe that, maybe that's a different story. Maybe they're just right. a good team at that point. You know, you look at defensive line, like you said. I I think that we put a caveat on the bet, those of us who were on the Bucks last week on the pod, mm-hmm. um, by saying, like, if, if what's-his-face, if Wirfs doesn't play, right. it could get ugly fast. And it kind of, you know, it kind of did. So yeah. it's a little sneak preview also on, on my thoughts for uh, – for this championship round uh, with the Rams involved. But I mean, yeah, yeah that, it's interesting. They have, they have star power all over. They're pretty top heavy, but uh, they're playing well. They're playing well, man. That just translates to a really good team. Yeah. My whole thing too is um, from keeping the model, obviously I, uh, I, I have three different phases that I, you know, upgrade or downgrade. And really what I did was I downgraded the Rams coaching um, and this is, I guess, I was going to say it's no knock on McVay, but it's kind of a direct knock on McVay. When you have guys losing concentration in the divisional round of the playoffs, having a huge lead like that, and they also gave up a 17-point lead to the Niners a couple weeks ago, that directly is on the coaching. And, John, to your point, it could be that they have too many superstars. And Sean McVay is not, uh, let's face it, he's not Bill Parcells, he's not Vince Lombardi, he's not um, Bill Belichick in the way where he's no nonsense, no crap, no flair get your ass in and work and be here five minutes earlier or you're you're benched. You know, he's not like that. He wants these guys to be expressive. And I just think when we see the lack of concentration and some of these uh, miscues that they're having, I really do put that on the coaching staff by saying, you know, football is not supposed to be a superstar driven league like the NBA. And I think um, the way that we'll see that is through penalties and, and uh, mental errors like that, because it is so different where, you know, in basketball, you, you could go through a stretch and it's just mentally you have to get back into it. But in football, you're also getting hit in the mouth, in the head, in the body. <laughs> so you're also now getting whacked into whiplash and you're, you're kind of like your survival mode kicks in. And then you also have to think at a high level. I just think that if you're not taking it seriously, you're going to get smacked in the mouth, for lack of a better term. So that that's my whole takeaway on it. I think that these yeah. these fumbles are not um, – although four of them is a fluke, I don't think that the overall issue – of losing concentration to you know to drop the ball 
um, literally and figuratively in big situations. I think that's a that's something to worry about if I have a Rams ticket. For sure. So, hold on. I just every time I see this, it just kind of like cracked me up because I don't. It just didn't really hit me until now, right? Because we have Dean on our podcast who just turned 30, and uh, Sean McVay was hired in 2017 at 30 years old. That's crazy. How stupid is that? Compared to Sean McVay. How Dean, imagine (laughs) right now if you had to coach an NFL team. Like, how would that go? I don't even like going outside anymore. That's crazy. Dude, I, 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 hate working, I hate working 40 hours a week. Being a coach is like, <laughs> yeah. no, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to pass. <laughs> that is no, incredible. That's awesome. And he made the Super Bowl, what, in his third year? Second or He's third? One win away from going back to his second Super Bowl, literally before the age of what? Years. Before yeah. the age of 35? Yeah. Like, has that ever been done yeah. before? Probably and never. My one thing about the Rams, and then I think uh, we're ready to, to dive into the games, uh-huh. but my thing about the Rams is, you know, I, I think I said on the on the last episode that certain teams actually have more uh, to lose than other teams, as weird as that sounds. Like, you know, um, for example, the Niners probably are, are playing with house money. You know, they weren't even supposed to make the playoffs, and then they have a huge comeback. They win a couple games, and here they are. The Rams, if they lose... Or even if they win the Super Bowl, they don't have another draft pick, like a, a significant draft pick for the next like five or six years. So even so if the, the Brooklyn Rams, Nets, the, yeah, even <laughs> if the Rams win the Super Bowl this year, they are kind of screwed for the longevity of it. Uh, honestly, I just hope that McVay lasts, you know, long enough, regardless of what happens this season, to see it through until he starts getting some draft picks. That's something to watch out for if you're in like maybe a dynasty fantasy league. Just know that the Rams are they're going to be getting older and not younger. Mm-hmm. after the season right yeah there's there's a lot a lot to think about certainly for la but i know they got their eye on the prize uh, and we're going to get to that game in just a second but first we'll go chronologically we'll start with the afc championship game uh and we're going to give you guys our game picks uh th- thank you all if you fast forwarded through the that opening part here you are here are where the picks are coming uh <laughs> sunday uh of course 3 3 p.m. the first game cincinnati Bengals at kansas city chiefs Back at Arrowhead, the Chiefs uh, currently on DraftKings are seven-point favorites. The total line is 54-and-a-half. The Chiefs minus 350 to win. Bengals plus 270. You can uh, rightfully assume that that is the heaviest favorite and heaviest underdog this weekend. What do you guys think? All right, I'll start with this one because this was my play. And who knows, depending on how our Niners uh, chat goes, Maybe this will be my play, but I just think as points are so valuable at this point in the season, and maybe I'm just not seeing because I was kind of low on the Bengals. Um, so much of the fact that week one when they when the Vikings lost to them, I was like, these are the games that you have to win. The Vikings should smoke the Bengals. Well, honestly, now in January, I'm looking at it and it's like, wow, I can't believe they took the Bengals to, to overtime. I just think it's one of those things where they have always been counted out. I have personally you know, look to fade them every stretch of the way. And now here they are. Uh, they don't do it in a way that I really like, but I think that's seven points. Uh, I'm very curious to hear if someone wants to make a case that the well, Chiefs win well, by... Well, I have breaking news. What's up? Uh-huh. The line has just moved to seven and a half. All right. Oh, even, dang. even in that regard, I, I think that now this will be my uh, my official play. I think I'm going to take that seven and a half. That's that's really it's too many. It, it really is. And it's like, how can you go ahead and tell me that the Chiefs are going to just keep on rolling and they're going to uh, give me a final score? If you think the Chiefs are going to win, give me right. a final score. Do you think that they're going to win 35 to 10 or do you think it's going to be? No, no, they're just going to score 70 points. Like, I don't know. I think that when you look at these two teams, I know that people have said, you know, the Chiefs are really good at every position. They a lot of the Josh Allen touchdowns last week, and maybe this will, uh, you know, it's funny. I said the Chiefs are the heel of the AFC. I've been called the heel of the podcast. So here we go. <laughs> the Josh Allen touchdowns. Kirk Cousins could have made those throws. Gabriel Davis was wide open. They were blown oh, coverages. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They were all, all right. blown coverages. Stop and stop. They were blown <laughs> coverages. Mike Hughes is sitting on his ass, and Gabriel Davis is standing alone in the end zone. That's that's one of my things. So. Yes, Josh Allen does a lot with his legs, but I think it's one of those things where the Chiefs secondary have problems. And you know what's a good way to exploit that? Uh, Jamar Chase had, what, 200 and a million yards the last time that they played each other? I just think <laughs> that they're very exploitable, especially in the secondary. I think that this is a really good matchup for the Bengals in general. 
I'm not saying they're going to win outright, but you giving me more than a touchdown, I can, I simply cannot leave that on the board. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'll take the Bengals in seven and a half. Easy. All right. All right. So let me go ahead. Jeff, you got I'll let you go first. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go real quick. Say... This is the problem with the remote recording, but I'll go very quickly. The, They're the beating each other up to, to slap me. I'm, I'm just this is my favorite play of the weekend. Giving it to you right now. Okay. All right. Remember, not too long ago, Bengals played the Chiefs, and guess who won? It was the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that's not important. This is what's important. Smart Chase put up 266 receiving yards, 11 catches on 12 targets, and three touchdowns that day. Goddamn. <laughs> yep. Unbelievable, right? Probably never going to happen again, right? Yeah. However, the man put up 266 yards against the Chiefs. The Chiefs literally just gave up, what, 30-something points? Almost 40 points? Yep. Dude, Jamar Chase over 83.5 receiving yards? Ooh. Give it to me. I'm in. That's my bet of the weekend right there. Excuse me, it's 85 and a half yards. I'm taking it right now for minus 110. Jamar Chase, over 85 and a half yards is my official play on the podcast. I'm sorry. The Chiefs defense looks awful. This this is legitimately the worst defense that the Bengals are going to play in this postseason. And even look, think about it this way. It's like either game script kind of sets up for this if they're getting blown out they have to pass the ball jamar chase is the number one target if it's a close game it's going to be a shootout jamar chase is going to be getting the ball like jamar chase is going to have over 100 yards this game if there was possibility to place an alternate line on overs i would place a jamar chase over 100 yards bet right now sign me up for it it's interesting so that's 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 that is my best bet of the entire slate i'm not taking a side i'm taking a prop bet i'm taking jamar chase over 85 and a half yards Right now. That's so, Matthew I, is coming back, right? Like, Tyron Matthew hasn't is, cleared concussion protocol yet. He's practiced, but he has not cleared concussion protocol. I, I think this is a case where maybe one of those, quote, independent doctors is going to come in and be like, yeah, he's good to go. <laughs> and who cares if he is or not? Just run him out there and dope him up. But So I have to give a little history on this because when the line came out at six and a half, I grabbed it for the Chiefs. But at seven, I'm like, eh. Don't don't like it. It's a very important number. Plus mm-hmm. seven and a half now, I might grab the Bengals and just middle out and just play props. I mean, around the three and the seven, your boy loves to middle because I just love being a, a non-factor. I just yeah. I love risking that dime of VIG to try to get like a double hit. I think that's always <laughs> a productive thing around the three and the seven. But I also have a prediction here. This might be my best bet, actually. By the time this podcast finished recording, that won't be plus seven and a half anymore. I bet you it'll go back to seven. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be there for long. Person, I think seven is so perfect. I don't even know what to do with it. But for, I have to just give a little background on the Bengals because I, I just think that they're overrated. So mm. in it, if you think that the Bengals can score 30, by all means take the Bengals. But if you don't think they can reach that number again, then I wouldn't. Because the Chiefs are going to put up 42 again. Mm. They, the thing about the Chiefs is we their skill players, I think I told Dean this, their mm-hmm. skill players are household names. And I'm not just talking about, you know, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Everyone knows who Hardman is. Everyone knows who Pringle is. Mm-hmm. I know who Michael Burton is. He's like the eighth fullback. Like, why do I know them? <laughs> the reason why I know these guys is because they just score. They just keep putting up points mm-hmm. and everyone scores. Everyone is a weapon. Even They even have Robinson running wind sprints out there. I bet you he catches a 40-yard ball. Clip yeah. that if he doesn't. You can hold me accountable. <laughs> but um, I, I just think with the Bengals' offensive line, troubles uh the Chiefs defensive line actually played pretty well against the Bills they just happen to be playing one of the most mobile uh quarterbacks possibly ever yeah and then when you couple that with the fact that the Bengals had the easiest road to the AFC championship maybe in history the Raiders are not a playoff team the <laughs> Titans I'm gonna shock the world they are not a playoff team either the <laughs> Titans stink even if the Titans won that game yeah I mean that's still a horrible performance and they're just they're not very good to begin with so in a shootout, you need to protect the quarterback. One of the Bengals' liabilities is protecting the quarterback. Like I said, I, I'm saying a lot for a guy who's passing the seven, but I did take the six and a half, so I wanted to give at least rationale to why I'm, I was playing it at the six and a half and how important the seven is. I don't think that there's a path to the Bengals winning outright, like Dean said, but, man, you, I don't know. The seven is just impossible to take with the Chiefs. I would, I would lean that way if I had to just because I don't like stepping in front of 
a team that can put up 42. It doesn't really matter how bad their defense is. I think they're just going to keep scoring. Um, just, I, Mahomes has evolved so much. They, yeah. they threw a bunch of cover twos at him. Sorry that I'm talking. I'm, I'm literally just no, yeah. guarding the entire podcast. I just, when I think of Mahomes, I just got all, I just got all happy and <laughs> hot and bothered. But like he, they, they threw a bunch of cover twos at him like weeks three through eight. And everyone's like, wow, it's pretty unbelievable. Mahomes stinks. And yeah. then Mahomes like, oh, let me just adjust. And now, like now. Yeah, let me learn how to beat that. The best thing that, yeah, like the, the worst thing that you could have done is give him something else to work on. And they did. And now he's unstoppable against cover two as well. So like, I want to, I, I want to take a, I, I, I just want to jump in really quick. Joe, you made a lot of good points. And, and the one thing I do want to revise is, you know, this is not my official play yet. At the end, when we do the recap, I will, you know, <laughs> commit to one. Cause there's a couple that I like the seven and a half is one that, you know, I just can't believe it went up a point because Joe, exactly to your point. I know that the, the pros hit the six and a half very hard, but I was actually going to come on the pod and say, I would be surprised if it gets up to seven and a half because they don't want the liability of the pros coming back in on it. Uh, I'm thinking of the time that the Bengals played the uh, the Packers. It was two and a half. The pros hit that. It got the three and a half. The pros hit the other side, sure. and the Packers won by a field goal. So that's a, a big liability on the sports book. So very interesting that they feel comfortable uh, allowing that. Now, the one thing I do want to address is Joe Burrow's protection. And, yes, he got sacked nine times. But don't you think that that is the number one thing on the bulletin board to today or on Monday in practice, we have to keep the quarterback clean. I think the way to do that is to slow down pass rush. You run right out of them. They have Joe Mixon, a pretty good running back. I think that the Bengals actually look to slow it down a little bit, uh, at least early while they still can. Maybe have a couple of sustainable drives. Um, and it's one of those things where maybe if they could go ahead and dominate the game script. The Chiefs are actually, believe it or not, a pretty slow starting team. Um, I believe they were down against the Bills and they were down against the, the Steelers, believe it or not. Um, in the last two playoff games. So it's one of those things that maybe you could um, see if w- what that first quarter bet maybe looks like, maybe even a first quarter under, because a lot of people see a high game total. You just think, all right, it's going to be a track meet right from the start. I think that there, there is some value to the Bengals trying to adjust to try to slow the game down a little bit, because that's really their path to victory. I know that we're going to say that's their path to cover, but you know the Bengals are in the locker room trying to figure out how to win and not how to cover. So, I, yeah, I just think that maybe – um, the reason why I bring that up is that's a huge issue. A lot of people will be like, you know, they can't keep Burrow healthy and they can't keep him upright. But it's going to be one of those things where I think the way to negate that is quick passes, uh, screens, and running right at them. So maybe the Bengals look to slow it down a little bit. So yeah. you mentioned bulletin board material. Last last point here. I agree with that completely. But, I mean, it, it's not – I don't know. I think that can be overrated sometimes. That That's pretty much it. That's all I have to say. Like, it's it's kind of obvious for everyone. Like – what do the Chiefs do well? Pass really well. Like, they're going to try to stop that. But at, at some point, there's just things you can't stop. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. They'll probably try to slow the game down and, and run it early. But when it comes to the second half, they're just going to have to pass too much. And I think, like, you can't – I don't think you can win a game against the Chiefs without putting up 35. And you can't do that without passing unless you're running just mm-hmm. out of this world, which is – you know, I don't, th- I don't know if they have the capability of doing that. So, yeah, that that's possible. but. Judging what you said, it was close to like an eighty percent chance victory for the the money line, right? That's what the math yeah says, Dean. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I think that's about right. I'm saying a whole lot of nothing here. Someone, John, jump in and, and have some <laughs> conviction here. Yeah, we've been keeping we've been keeping John off the mic lately, so uh, <laughs> no, Donald, okay. I've, I've been I've been I've been listening. Um, a couple couple things you guys picked up on. One thing I was very curious about last week was if the Josh Allen scrambles were designed. Or if it was like Russell Wilson, like where he just was feeling pressure and felt compelled to move. I think there were some very, very specifically designed runs, um, but also ones where maybe the pass rush did get to him. Um, and if that's what the Chiefs, if if they're looking for a strength on defense, that's probably it. I don't think it's the corners. Um, I agree a hundred percent, Joe. If the Bengals want to win this game, they have to believe in their offense to put up thirty. Uh, plus points, which conveniently their last game they did, and that's part of why they won. Um, I, and I think about that too. Is it, it? It's so hard to beat a team more than once in a season, and our mm-hmm. next game has teams meeting up for the third time. Um, what is going to motivate the Bengals if they fall down early? That's mm-hmm. that's my thing. Um, I don't think the Chiefs are a team that ever. Let's up on the gas. They they will score on every possession by yeah. anything possible, and the the line at plus seven on DraftKings is at plus a hundred. 
So you got your two to one odds. So that makes that very intriguing to take. And that I don't. I'm kind of with you, Dean. Like I'm not going to make an official play. I think until the end. But that is such a hard line to judge. And like I texted you guys about this earlier. That in in terms of trying to not be square, that total line you'd think 54 and a half. Again, if the Bengals want to win, they're going to have to score over 30. Uh, and that usually means the Chiefs will also score 30 or over. And there's 60 points right there. So part of me is like, do I am I overthinking this? And should I just take the bait and say 54 and a half? They, this, the Bills and Chiefs scored 25 points in like two minutes last week. You know, I, I and I, sorry, I'm talking kind of in circles mm-hmm. here. That's another point to bring up where everyone's expecting the same fireworks from last week. But this is a, this is a completely different game with a completely different visitor. Um, and, and does Joe Burrow have the horses like Josh Allen to keep up, especially when, you know, what he got sacked nine times last game. What happens if he gets sacked like six or seven times this game? You know, you keep coming back up, but eventually it could be too much to deal with. You know what, John? You, br- you bring up a really good point, and I don't even know if you meant to bring it up like this. But this <laughs> Chiefs exploded <laughs> for that 25-point, two-minute uh, span. Don't you think that the over and therefore and also the Chiefs spread are a little bit inflated now? I think it's one of those things where people look at that and go, wow, they scored 25 points in two minutes? Like, what? what uh, take the over. Uh, the over right. is 54 and a half. What number would you be like, no, 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 we got to take the under here? Like, what is, if, if it's not 54 and a half, what is it? Is it 60? Is it 62? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're getting into yeah. astronomical territory. That's the one thing that I'll challenge you as a listener. I know this sounds dirty to hear. I know it's fun to bet the over. You root for all the teams and all the players, and you want your Hill first <laughs> touchdown and your Kelsey touchdown. But I'm I'm saying this. I think it, exactly like you said. It's a new game. I think that when we go and look at this, there's going to be adjustments made. And who knows? It, it could turn out to attract me, and I'll look like a complete asshole. But there was a lot of very high-variance things that happened in the, at the end of that uh, game in order to allow for all those points to be scored. I mean, I mentioned the Mike Hughes fell down. Um, we also had, uh, with 13 seconds left, the uh, game script basically said if you kick the ball, not a touchback for the Bills kicking off, then they have to return it. That easily eats off six, seven seconds. And now all of a sudden the Bills, or, or excuse me, the Chiefs only have six seconds to get into touchdown range. You know what I mean? So it's a, Or a field goal range. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, there's a lot of high variance things that happen. I think if they lined up a hundred thousand times more, they wouldn't score 25 points in a two minute span, regardless of how bad or how good these defenses are. Yeah. That, it's important that's, to do that as a sharp, do what you just did, by the way, like set, you know, set the, uh, the stage like, Hey, I could look stupid, but this is why I'm playing it. Like the public doesn't ever want to look stupid and that's why they never win. Right. So, and you know what it is, is if you take an over, let's just say you take an alternate order over of 61 and it ends up being, I don't know, 20 to 17 going late into the fourth quarter. Like a lot of people, a lot of not sharp betters will look at it and go, ah, yeah, we got screwed over there. No, it's one of those things where both of these teams, the stakes are, are higher and like maybe they want to slow it down a little bit. I know that I, I, I know you said that it feels like the Chiefs could put up a, a point on every single time they touch the ball. But like, let, let's not forget that. You know, they were bad at one point this year, and it's one of those things where, you know, the Bengals are also a bunch of professionals, too. So I, I doubt that we're going to get a perfection game like the Bills did uh, against the Patriots in this game. That's all I'm saying. I just want to throw a little bit of wet blanket on people going, yeah, yeah the Chiefs could score on every single time they touch the ball. I think I, I would bet that the Chiefs will, will punt at least once this game. Sure. And I'll, and I'll harken back, and Zach will be happy, uh, back to the perfect 2007 Patriots team who were scoring – I don't know how many points they're averaging a game and they get to the Super Bowl against a good Giants defense or well, great Giants defense that held them to what was it 14 I think two touchdowns so you know it we're, we're dealing with different caliber and different style of quarterback here but when the stakes are this high late in the season teams come to play and and they're there for a reason I think anyone in the conference championship is there for a reason I would have said that about the divisional round last week but there are obviously some teams that completely shit the bed. So there's certainly a lot to think about with that game. I might return to that plus seven maybe at the end, um, and I have to look at the total line. Um, but let's go on to the last game, the NFC Championship. Uh, this one's at 630, of course. The San Francisco 49ers at the Los Angeles Rams. 
for the third time this season, and the most recent since three weeks ago when they played in the first ever Week 18 in the NFL. Uh, the Rams are currently DraftKings favorites by three and a half points. The total line on that game is 45 and a half. Rams minus 180 money line. Niners plus 155 money line. Uh, what's at stake? I'll, I'll just start a little bit. What's at stake for the Rams here? Um, the They could be the second team in NFL history consecutively to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Uh, like you guys had mentioned before, McVay is 0-6 against Kyle Shanahan in their tenures together. Um, the Niners obviously coming off of an upset win. Uh, needed a high-variance special teams play to knock off the Packers. I will say this. The Niners are not going to get a Matthew Stafford, in my opinion, that is going to end the game with zero passing touchdowns. I think the Rams are too hot right that, right now for, for that kind of performance. And truthfully, if the Rams didn't turn the ball over a bunch, we would be talking about how they almost blew out the Buccaneers last week. If not for that comeback, that was a pretty easy win until those points started coming back. Uh, The Niners still – here's the thing about the Niners. Again, the same thing I said last week after they beat the Cowboys is what did we learn about these Niners? Nothing really. They're a resilient team. They play very hard. Their defense is good. I'm still concerned about Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm still concerned about the injuries. I don't think that this is playing in their favor. So gut check just says the Rams will win this one. They're going to host a Super Bowl in their home stadium. I, I for, for McVay to lose this three times in a row in a season uh, that they've gone all in, seemingly like with no regard for tomorrow, like you were saying before, it would be very difficult for me to see the Niners thumping this team and really destroying what they've what they've been building, you could say arguably for years. Yeah, I mean, they, this they went kind of, all in. Yeah, this is the team McVay wanted against the Patriots. But no, he was stuck with with shitty Goff and an injured <laughs> Todd Gurley. So yeah. you know, this is like the redo. And I, I, I maybe factor narrative and storylines and emotions into a lot of my handicaps. And I apologize for people out there who like maybe maybe frown on that and don't want to listen to me for that. But that kind of stuff does come into play for me, uh, at least in terms of the motivating factors of the game. The numbers are different. It's very hard to turn down a plus three and a half in a very tight contest. The only time that the there was a blowout the very first time they met this year was week 10 and they blew them out 31 to 10 the Niners so that that's the only thing that would concern me but again that's in favor of the 49ers in that regard so the line that actually interests me the most and and we just had gone talking about this the last game is the total line um Mm -hmm. they've scored well over 45 and a half their past two meetings and if the Rams keep up their offensive firepower I could see them scoring 21 24 points and I'm asking the Niners to keep up because they want to win the game. Um, this is a full nine points under the the Chiefs and the uh, Bengals line. So that's that's a line that I'm I'm probably I don't I just don't know about my best play yet. But that's a candidate right now. Good consideration. So, yes. so, so John, quote. Uh, sorry, go sorry. ahead. <laughs> I was going to say something real quick to quote yeah. my favorite movie, Moneyball. If the Rams are better than the Niners, then why aren't the Rams better than the Niners? Because they lose to them every time, and they match up really poor against them. Yeah. So that's all I got to say. That's a sneak peek at what I like there. Man. Good sure. call there. My, my whole thing, John, you like narratives. Well, I, here's, here's an interesting narrative. The Los Angeles Rams move out of the area to St. Louis for, what, 30 years? What do you think happened to those fans in, in Southern California? They became Niners fans. That's right. I called it in Dallas – I said there's going to be a heavy Niners crowd in Dallas because it's an easy stadium to get to. A lot of people like to go there. I am predicting at SoFi Stadium, newly built, the tickets are astronomically expensive. I think that there's way more lifelong Niners, lifelong fans in California than there are uh, Los Angeles fans, uh, excuse me, LA Rams fans there. I yeah. think that there's going to be a huge home field advantage for the 49ers. Visitors. I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, – I think, honestly, three and a half is just too many points. Uh, good bettors bet teams. Great bettors bet uh, numbers, and I will take 
those three and a half points. Honestly, I think whoever wins, wins by a game-winning field goal, which is also a prop that I bet at plus 500. Does anyone kick a walk-off field goal? Wow. Love that. Love bet. that. Huh. Yeah. So it's funny. This one happened three times. Yep. And yeah. tell me the fourth time, if you count the Chiefs, they didn't. it wasn't for the win, but essentially it was. So It was a walk-off win. But, yeah, yeah. I agree, Dean. I mean, if you look literally uh, after the Rams won, it was all over online that they were trying to restrict ticket sales for the NFC Championship game to those who lived in L.A., and that didn't work. And literally Frank Gore was on Twitter like, yo, fucking, I will buy your tickets, Rams fans. Like, sell them to me. (laughs) Yeah. I will, like, that stadium, my guess is it's probably going to be like 60-40 Niners fans. Yep. It will, be an, it will be an away game for the Rams, pretty much. And, you know, they just moved to L.A. again, so it's not a surprise. But, once again, I was kind of like, all right, looking at this, I'm like, the Rams are the better team. They should win. But you know what? The Niners have been there before, not that mm-hmm. long ago. Yeah. Really? What, 2019? It was Rams? Yeah. Not, it was, excuse me, it was Chiefs-Niners. Yeah, how Garoppolo, crazy we could have a Super Bowl rematch within, like, two years. Like, yeah, it's, Garoppolo it's was a Super Bowl possible. quarterback, too. I was going to yeah. say, the, the rosters really weren't that much different, except for Ayuk and Debo were Emmanuel Sanders, and I don't know who the other receivers <laughs> were yeah, no on idea. the Niners at that time. But I'll tell you what, the, ni- the Niners were a... Emmanuel Sanders completion away. If Jimmy G didn't overthrow him the end zone to put the game out of reach, that would have been a Niners Super Bowl right there. Uh, so I'm going edge with Shanahan. The man is 6-0 so far against the Rams. Rams going to have to beat the boogeyman. I like what Dean said. I think it's going to be super close. These opponents know each other well. Uh, the Niners, in my opinion, have a favorable matchup. Do I think they're going to win outright? No, I don't feel confident in that. But the three and a hook is huge. Yep. I mean, I, I love the, the fact that you're getting that half point there. The value's there, kind of like now with the seven and a half with the Bengals. Like I, I like Joe, also have a Chiefs minus six and a half ticket placed. Uh, that seven and a half is a great opportunity for a middle. But uh, yeah, three and a half, three and a hook. you got to like the Niners getting that because this game is truly a coin toss. Um, and you know, and just like we've talked about all season and pretty much every episode on this podcast, what do we like in a coin flip game? What should you take? Should take yep. the underdog. So I kind of, I lean Niners money line, but I also like the three and a half. Uh, and it seems like, and we agree, right? Has there, there has still not been in this entire playoff, a underdog who covered, who did not win outright. So, and I think you should take that. I mean, aside from like, the Bengals will be the exception because seven and a half points is a ton for a playoff game, right? I think if you favor the Niners here, you go with the money line uh, in addition to the points. Why not? Also, a very good teaser opportunity as well. Even if you just do two game teaser, you get six points, get a nine and a half and a uh, 13 and a half ticket. Like, come on. Like, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I uh, the only thing I disagree with is that the Rams are the better team. I legitimately think that uh, the Niners are better than them. I think the Rams just have peaked uh, in a way that makes everyone fall in love with them. I mean, a couple of deep balls here and there. I mean, it's not attractive to just run the ball weirdly like the Niners do. I mean, they just do outside zones forever. Um, but I, I agree with you, man. I, I like the Niners by three and a half. I mean, you guys kind of touched on everything. I think this game is going to be one in the trenches. I think the Niners do have an edge with the pass rush. I think Stafford's going to get a little jittery. And I think that the Niners are very alive for uh, for the money line. But I'm going to take the three and a half this time. I think that that – I got a couple of props if we want to talk about, like, some of the best plays there. But I think that Niners by three and a half uh, plus three and a half is my favorite for this Joe, week. Joe, I would love to hear your props because this whole playoffs, <laughs> I have been a whore for props. So, please, tell me, what are some of, of your course. props? So last week, I actually have it up here. Um, I went 11 and four in props. I wagered 13 units, um, and it was fantastic. I had a couple of overs, obviously, in the Bills Chiefs, but I mainly hit. Look, if you get a game script right, you can make an absolute killing. I had the under uh, throughout all kinds of different props in that Packers Niners game, and the over 
through a bunch of different guys. Like, for example, Gabriel Davis, His I got his prop at over 30 and a half rushing yards. And I think he just barely got there with a nice two hundo. So that was pretty cool. But for this <laughs> week, I have over Byron Pringle, 37 and a half yards. He's averaging like seven. I don't have the exact numbers, but I went through and checked. He's averaging seven or eight targets uh, over the last five or six games, except for one. Um, and I think actually, ironically, it was the Bengals game. I don't really read too much into that or anything. But so I have the over there and I have the under on George Kittle, under 52 and a half. My thinking there is if uh, Trent Williams is a little banged up, um, even if he does play, I'm sure he'll be fine. But they're probably going to want to help a little bit. I think George Kittle, like he has this whole playoff run, um, he's just been blocking a little bit more. So with Trent Williams' ankle injury, they might not be able to move him around as much. I think George Kittle ends up chipping there instead of running some routes. So those are a couple of props that I'm eyeing uh, for this week. Do you guys agree? Disagree? Yeah, that's awesome. I, mean, I, if, I especially if, love the uh, Kittle one, mainly because, you know, I had him in fantasy this year. And, uh, you know, a little fun fact, I played tight end slash tackle. I know it's funny. Um yeah, so so I know what that's like to not have a good pass protector and then have the tight end in for blocking. And yeah, exactly. They love using him on the, the zone uh, blocking plays too. The Niners like to run. So that's another thing too to, to look at. I know last week, uh, you know, I, I believe off, well, definitely off pod, we were all looking for Lazard overs and Randall Cobb overs. And it ended up being that, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers only completed 20 passes. Nine went to Adams, nine went to Aaron Jones. So the reason why I bring that up is uh, Jimmy G. I mean, how many pass attempts is he really going to have? And, you know, there's only one ball. So how many are going to go to Kittle? How many, let's just say Kittle gets six targets. Do you really think that he's going to pull in all six for a hundred yards? Yeah. Say? And I think six is even high. He might even only get like four targets uh, considering in the game script. So especially if the Niners are winning, like we're all kind of saying that they probably will, or at least they'll have a shot. So I think in, in that regard, it's one of those things where it's a money deal that um, maybe they won't need to pass to Kittle as much. Agreed. That's the logic, man. I love you, dude. You're, you make so much sense. I love when you agree with me, dude. Yeah, right. There's no worse feeling than when you when you're just giving a handicap and talking for a couple minutes, and all of a sudden someone's like, "Well, here's why you're wrong," and you're like, "Oh no, the, everyone else is against me. I'm I'm screwed. I would be all season." If, if the Niners and Rams does stay close, which the spread implies, for crying out loud, yeah. um, then it's going to be run. The, the run is going to be on the table for the Niners. If they're down, I've heard this like the whole playoffs. Well, if they go down 28 nothing, they can't run the ball. Well, guess what? The game's over anyway. If it's 14 yeah. nothing at half, they're still running. They right. have the whole yeah. season. That's what they do. Hey, you know, so I agree totally, dude. Another thing, too, is it's hard, and I should probably pull this up before I even mention it, but how can we not look at Sony Michelle props after the game that Cam Akers good had? Point. Yeah, like, good point. Oh, yeah. Let's 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 do a little dive into that right now. I'm gonna load up my uh, local sports book here so because the one thing, man. That, the one thing uh, about that one is um, last week actually when I was at the winery, I was trying to get any piece of Sony Michelle as possible because I was saying even with Cam Akers back, there's no way they're gonna relegate him to being a pure uh, backup. And it's one of those things where especially this week, I think that he's just. I mean, maybe he's not as fast, but he's certainly as talented. Yeah, I, I currently actually don't see anything posted yet for rushing yeah, I, yards. Yeah, I checked before. Unfortunately, they don't have they don't have attempts either. I, I would love to hit up attempts. I would love attempts. Dean, you know what? You know what? Sony Michelle does very well. Ball security. You yeah. know what? Cam Akers has not done. I don't know if he's good at that or not. But the last game, obviously not. I would say Sony Michelle at least gets an uptick in attempts. I don't know if I want to hit his overs or Akers unders. I'll probably just wait for Michelle, honestly. That's just my take on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not posted yet, but I assume it's closer to Sunday. Um, I would probably take his over in receptions and rushes because you got to figure that – I'm sorry. After the game Akers had, I, I'm it's a 50-50 timeshare now. How could you not want Michelle running the ball after two crucial fumbles? Should have lost the game pretty much. Yeah, I loved when yeah. uh, they brought when they brought um what's his name back in when they brought uh, Acres back in and the announcers were like, yeah, it's good that Sean McVay is showing that they, they trust Acres and then he fumbled again. I'm like, well, <laughs> sit his ass down, <laughs> stop trusting him. <laughs> yeah, if I'm if I'm McVay, I, I'm letting Acres get like the first drive, and then after that, he's just not seeing the field. Sony Michelle, it is. Yeah, kind of sticking with that. I also shopped around 
for a Stafford under passing yards. Kind of, again, just going with the same uh, type of game script. If it's if the pass rush is going to be getting after him, I mean, you got to see a lot of quick passes. Clock is going to be running. I don't think that Cooper Cup is going to get – oh, Cooper Cup's fantastic, obviously. But they had two blown coverages against him that yep. was responsible for, what, 150 of his yards or something like that. I mean, I, I was looking at that uh, under for Stafford as well. And I think it climbed up to like 280 at one point. So mm. that's, on my, that's on my radar as well, fellas. Yeah, we're hitting value at every angle. Um, and I know for the Super Bowl, we're going to have like. Oh, you, we always you do. wait. That'll be, we might have an, uh, we might record for an hour and a half with an hour yeah. and 10 minutes being <laughs> ridiculous props. That's yes. the best kind, though. I'll um, tell you what, though, truth be told is you slide in our DMs probably about two hours to three hours before kickoff, and I will get you the national anthem six years running. Just saying. Oh, yeah. I'm, That's right. You, you know what's so funny? I love the novelty props. I love the novelty props more than anything, actually. Last year, uh, my girlfriend and I were listening to uh, the entire discography of The weekend. So we could bet on what his first song would be. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, uh, funny enough, I remember two years ago, we I, I have my you know my connect to the Super Bowl national anthem recording. I remember two years ago is I found out earlier than usual, and it was back in the day when you know I we our family had a a legal bookmaker. And we had to make a call and be like, what is the max that you're willing to accept? And uh, because I knew it, I knew what yeah. the over was. Yeah. And uh, he was like, I remember getting a call back being like, yeah, you're not allowed to bet more than $200 on that. I'm like, fuck. So I just put it like, <laughs> put it with like four different people because like I knew it. I was very depressed. I was like, damn, this sucks. <laughs> like, we tried everywhere. One of my other shout out Justin Van Glan, who I know doesn't listen to this, but he even hit up his crookie and same thing. It was like, ah, like he'll take like a hundred dollars on it. Fuck. Yeah. God damn it. The problem <laughs> with the novelty props is there's so many people who are in the, the stadium women. for these, you know, for the national anthem and stuff yeah. like that, that it's you know, it's just something you can't bet on, which I still think till this day, the most profitable bet during the Super Bowl is heads or tails. See, for me, my my favorite bet of the Super Bowl is uh, the first seven, the first half of the first quarter, no scores. That's always always the yeah. You do you go with that every year? Yeah, that's a good that's a good one too. Um, yeah, I can't wait to get into those. Are we ready to make our quote unquote locks of the week? We are, man. Do it. All right. Does someone want to start? I'll start because I already told you mine. It's Jamar Chase oh, that, over eighty-five and a half yards. That's, that's my right. lock of the week. Yep. Book it. That's, that's even on Zach pretty much, the minus 110? Minus 110. Same thing as yeah, betting pretty much the that. outcome of the game. Gotcha. Uh, I just think that it, it, in the game script, it, either the Bengals losing or, or they're winning, that has to hit. That's my opinion. I don't think they have Agreed, the ability yeah. to lock them down. Yeah, that's a good one. Good call. All right, I will actually, you know, all the Chiefs talk has, has kind of made me a little bit scared. I will take the Niners plus three and a half as my best bet for the pod. I think it's the better team getting more than a field goal, just like I said against the Cowboys. Dean, are we doubling up, dude? I think I'm oh, going to oh, go oh. with Niners three and a half as well, man. That's my official play. Last time we doubled up, uh, it won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not on the Niners as well, dude. Watch. Yeah, on the Niners. <laughs> we know this team. Well, I think we're heading towards triple territory. Ooh. I'll give you guys this. You know, I thought about this as we were recording. What's my lock? I know we have one more game left of Super Bowl, but this one's got to be juicy, especially since I I apologize. I've given you guys two losers the past two weeks, so I really got to think about this. Why am I zigging when the zagging has helped me so much? I was immensely profitable in the dog pound. So why am I veering off from doing that? So I'm doing it. In fact, I just placed the bar stool uh bet i'm just showing you guys no one can see it at home i'm doing the underdog spread parlay Bengals plus seven and a half niners plus three and a half plus 253 odds wow all right that is going to hit to make up for my two weeks of booby picks 
<laughs> we're going to roll into the Super Bowl up some money and feeling quite happy. All right. That's a, you know what's actually really funny? I think I have that placed, but like early because <laughs> I thought the value would like change a little bit. So uh, that, that's interesting, uh, John. I'll, I'll be rooting for you. And of course, uh, I, I don't mean to bury the lead. John is the big bank and dog pound winner of the regular season. <laughs> Yeah, I need I need to pick it up for the postseason for sure. But, but my my regular season numbers haven't helped me. I'm Aaron Rodgers right now. Great regular season. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Love it. Think about this. There's one tweet I saw that said something like, "We're t- we're two no we're three weeks away from Matthew Stafford having the same amount of Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers," which oh, which is actually hilarious. My God. You think about that right. Imagine wow. telling that to, to the Lions in 2009 when they drafted Stafford. Yeah, man, and none of them are theirs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Right. I just have – I just I, – in, like, the back of my mind, I just, like, can see confetti pouring down uh-huh. on either the Chiefs or the Bengals with just sad Matt Stafford <laughs> sitting there during the Super Bowl, like – I don't know, man. I just feel like he's just a perennial loser, and I can't get that out of my mind. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually funny. Uh, I, I do want to bring this up um, before we wrap. But, uh, yeah, the, the one thing that we get asked a lot is, you know, what do you do if you have a long-standing future? I know that um, the Chiefs were plus 500 before the season. Uh, on our NFC Conference episode, Zach so uh, sharply said the Rams to win the NFC. So what do you uh, – at plus 600 – so what do you do if you have one of these tickets sitting in there and, uh, of course, maybe either no cash outs available or you don't want to cash out? Definitely one of those things where when it comes to hedging, you definitely want to make sure that you at least recoup your initial investment. So, for example, you put $100 on the Chiefs to win at plus 500, maybe throw 100 bucks, or maybe split you know, 50 bucks on the Bengals this week and 50 bucks on the underdog against the Chiefs because mm-hmm. they're going to be the favorite in the Super Bowl. Try to recoup some of that money that way. I know that some people might think, like, oh, that's eating into profits. But then again, you have to ask yourself, what do you want? Do you want to go for the the free roll of, you know, all or nothing? Or do you want to at least guarantee yourself some profit? And that's one thing, too, that I'm seeing with more states getting added. There are a lot more uh, bad information. So uh, I, I definitely think uh, as far as betting goes, I know that there's a lot of Reddits and subreddits and stuff where it's like, you know, there's some shit out there. <laughs> I know Joe could attest to that. So it's going to be after the NFL season, I definitely want to record an evergreen, you know, some just overall betting strategy, stuff that we uh, kind of take for, or at least I take for granted. I thought everyone knows this, you know, standard unit size, um, grind your bankroll, stuff like that. So if you are, you know, a, a savvy better and you want to grind your bankroll and you're not just looking for the cheap thrill of the 100 leg parlay hitting so that you could buy a yacht. Um, you, you know, definitely it's one of those things where if you want to hedge, take out, take some of those opportunities, look at what you have placed and try to figure out a way to maximize your profits. Yeah, that's terrific. Well said, man. For sure. Um, so we are, we were talking a little bit off pot about our next plan of action here. I think we may do a little, uh, championship Sunday recap, uh, as well as, Maybe previewing some uh, NFL futures, reviewing some of the bets that hit and didn't hit, uh, and but but rest assured, we're not going to do our Super Bowl preview until the week before. Again, Thursday night. That way, there's there's plenty of time to mull over the bets, plenty of time to account for line changes. Um, I again hope doesn't factor in, but we can't forget about COVID uh, and injuries and other stuff that could potentially affect these games. So um, not rooting for any of that, of course. Yeah. But can, can I give a can I give a quick bonus shout uh, on the pod for uh, some Saturday games as well? Sure. All right, let's make let's make some money for Saturday for the NFC and AFC conference uh, championships. Get you guys a little bit of a padded bankroll. Two very interesting angles here. First, we got Detroit Mercy in the Horizon League, which is weird. <laughs> I've watched every single Horizon League game this year. It feels like Detroit Mercy has. The best scorer in all of college basketball with Antoine Davis, minus 21 against, that's right, I've said it a bunch of times, the IUPUI Jaguars, which is funny. Every year of betting college basketball, I pick the team that makes me the most money, and I buy their shirt. And this year, it's going to be IUPUI. They're 1-17. Their only win is against the uh, Division II school where they still had 24 turnovers. They're the worst team uh, statistically. They only roll eight guys out, so they have a really shallow bench. If there's foul trouble, this is going to be a blowout. They already played 
earlier in the year, and uh, Detroit won by 29. So I think anytime you see IUPUI playing, uh, definitely fade them. Uh, I don't want to say bet blind, but they're always a, a good team to fade. They score about only 50 points a game, which is honestly kind of astronomical. Dang. And also they're coming off a little bit of a COVID pause. So if this game gets canceled, I wouldn't be absolutely shocked. I, honestly, they should cancel the rest of the year. But it's one of those things where any anytime they play, I'm going to be looking to capitalize on that. My second play, we're going to go to the NEC, and that is Mount St. Mary's playing against St. Francis in Pennsylvania. All right. So, interesting. Two teams that I usually – I don't watch the NEC very often, and it's one of those weird conferences that's honestly shit. They will send their conference winner, and that's it. But Mount St. Mary's, why am I attacking this one? It's minus five. They're playing at home, and they're honoring their longest tenured coach ever who died earlier this month. So it's going to be a big memorial thing. The team is going to get up. They're playing at home, and uh, St. Francis is just a very bad team. Before we started recording, that's the other team that I showed you that lost by 17. So uh, we're going Mount St. Mary's minus five. These are both on Saturday. If you guys have any questions or need anything, uh, at WinningTXPod on Instagram. Love it, man. What other football podcast, AFC, NFC, <laughs> are you getting these bonus NCAA plays? That's just incredible. <laughs> Truly, truly getting value in all in all kinds of ways. That's why I love doing this with you guys. Sad to say there's only one NFL game left. We are going to try to do some more episodes covering some other sports, um, although I'm sure uh, you know our schedule is going to be changing because of the NFL season coming to an end. But uh, it's it's been it's been a ride. Uh, and we still we still got the one. But until then, we hope you win all of your No, don't let it end. Don't let it end, John. I don't want I it to end. I'll stop. I'll go right to Goodell and go, listen, listen buddy. <laughs> is it, I say it every time. Literally, the saddest day of the year is the Sunday after Super Bowl Sunday. Mm-hmm. So Amen. it'll be February 20th, 2022. I will wake up, look out the window. It'll be cold. It'll probably be 20 degrees. Can't golf. I don't want to go outside. I'll be like, oh, I can't wait till one o'clock. Oh, wait. <laughs> There's nothing to watch, nothing to bet on. Life is pain. February Amen. 20th, the saddest <laughs> day of the year. Previewing it, booking it. Although it's, <laughs> <laughs> the day after Super Bowl is Valentine's Day this year, too, which is really interesting. My um, wife's birthday. Shout out, Sam. Sam's yeah, birthday. Hey, shout out to all the lady folk of the Winning Ticket podcast here uh, for supporting all of us. They'll never hear this, but <laughs> I thank them all for <laughs> for supporting us in all kinds of ways outside of actually listening to the podcast. So uh, they're they're a great part of why we can do what we can do. But that's it for now, guys. For John, that's myself, me, Zach, Joe, and everyone who's helped us make the Winning Ticket podcast a success. See you next time.